All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Leo Talking Free podcast. And I'm your host, Tiffany Williams. And I created this podcast to promote international and cultural travel for African-Americans. And so they can see, you know, different perspectives of ways that you can live abroad and just create a new life for yourself. So today I'm so excited because I have another North Carolina native. Uh, His name is Kev Sumner, but he's going to give a better introduction because I'm not too familiar with him other than some light internet stalking. So Kev, could you just give us your background and then we'll work our way up to the present day? (laughs) Okay, first of all, I want to say I'm honored that you reached out to me to um, have a chat about my experiences. Um, I love to talk to people about uh, my journey overseas. Um, So I'm from Durham, North Carolina. I recently turned 37 last month. No Um, way. I don't even believe that. (laughs) Yeah. So I just turned 37. um, And it was an interesting birthday because um, a month before that, I got a, I was in a really uh, bad, I had a bad injury playing basketball. So I ruptured my quad tendon. Oh, your quad tendon. Wow. I don't even know which part that is. I should because I took anatomy and physiology, but I'm not sure. <laughs> quad tendon. And then what happened? Yes. Yeah. And so maybe about a week or a few days before my birthday, I actually um, tested positive for COVID. So oh, no. <laughs> I was quarantining uh, with my foot up for my birthday. So it was a very une- uneventful birthday this year. Um, That's so sad. Yeah. But yeah, so from Durham, um, you know, I, I grew up in Durham fully. Um, I went to Hillside. Hillside. I don't think I've heard of that school. I know Eastside from the movie. <laughs> Lean on me. Hillside is one of the uh, the few remaining um, historically black high schools in North Carolina, because basically wow. most of the, the the black high schools before desegregation were all shut down. Um so Hillside is one of those schools that just has remained. So that's why a lot of, that's why you may have heard of it. Cause yeah. Um, so yeah, so I went to Hillside, I graduated in 2003 and from there I got an academic scholarship actually to go to Hampton. Um, and I majored in finance and then my last year, my senior year, I actually, walked on to the basketball team and from there they wanted me to come back um, for another year so I basically got a scholarship for grad school to play basketball. Um, Wow so you played basketball at Hillside and then all the way through uh, Hampton. Yeah but I didn't play until my senior year so my you know freshman junior soft freshman sophomore junior years I didn't play basketball. I basically just played for fun. Um, yeah. But it must have been at such a level that they just let you walk on. Like, I don't know that much about sports, but, like, yeah. <laughs> you have to, like, train for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was uh, I was really good in high school. So we one – of, one of my teammates actually went to Kentucky. He was borderline McDonald's All-America – and my team, we were ranked number one in the state for almost the whole season. So we were really good. We weren't really losing games like that. And I was definitely good enough to play 
in college. Um, I just really wanted to go to Hampton. They didn't give me, uh, and I got an academic scholarship. And so I was just, I didn't even, you know, I don't know. So and you then didn't I, try for the like athletic scholarship at all. No, they, like you didn't even. No, I had some schools that were recruiting me, but I didn't want to go to them. Um, so I wanted to go to Hampton, so I went to Hampton. Um, and so I spent two more years there as a grad student, um, and I got my MBA, and then I moved to DC and started working for Lockheed Martin in finance. Um, so it was actually a leadership development program. And that entire time I had in my head, I was like, at some point, I'm going to go overseas and play basketball. Um, okay. So, like, how did the international stuff get into your head, though? Because, like, like, did you just, like, wake up one day and say, <laughs> I'm going to do that? Or, like, um, have you been premeditating? <laughs> um, you know, so, like, I felt that I was good enough um, just based on how I played against other people that would go on to be pros or were already pros. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I was living in D.C., I played a lot of pickup basketball and I, I played in some leagues and stuff. And everyone that I ever played with would always be so shocked that I wasn't playing professionally, like that I had an office job. They would just be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it kind of got stuck in my head. And it was just like, you know, while I'm young enough to do this, I, I really want to, um, I really want to at least try. Mm -hmm. um, so, but did you think about like the NBA at all? Like you just like skipped the whole United um, States well, professional I league? <laughs> I knew I wouldn't be able to just go straight to the NBAs. It mm -hmm. kind of doesn't work like that. Um, okay. But I figure, you know, like there were definitely some overseas teams that would just, you know, take me as soon as they saw me play. Um, and so I was on a semi-professional team in uh, D.C. And we went on a Peru. We went on a, a trip to Peru mm -hmm. to play a bunch of exhibition games. Um, and this was in 2012. So, yeah, right around this time, 10 years ago. Um, and I went down there and I was like, whoa, this is this is the life. You know, like I, I loved it down there so much. Um, and some of the guys that I, I went down to Peru with, they actually stayed there. So it's like we, we were supposed to be gone for three and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. And then some of the players just didn't come back. They just stayed. What? The yeah, they like some of the teams signed them, and I guess they didn't have that much going on in um, at home, so they just stayed. Wow. So <laughs> what made you like, say like it, that was the life? Like, was yeah. it the the atmosphere, the women, the food? Like, what was, made you say like uh, this? Is the you life? know, every everything was just so laid back, you know, and the, and I think you know it helps that it's summertime when we go um, there and it was winter at home. So you're already just in that shift and the, the weather is super nice. Uh, the food was really good. It was really cheap. Um, and I don't know. I think there's just something special about being abroad sometimes.
And that was your first time? It wasn't my first time overseas, but it was uh it was my first time out the country for basketball specifically. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, we went to Machu Picchu and I mean everything was just super magical. Um and yeah, so so some of the guys stayed. And so I came back and I told myself, okay, in one year, when we go back again, I'm just gonna stay. I'm gonna quit my job and I'm gonna stay. Yeah. <laughs> and so you the, had a plan. Yeah. So for the next year, I told everybody that would listen that I was moving to Peru to play basketball. Um and so by the when the when the year was coming up, I was actually getting kind of nervous about it. But <laughs> because I told everybody I was going to do this, yeah, I felt like I couldn't go back on my word. So <laughs> I resigned from my job, um, which was actually, you know, like a, a, a decent job. I was I had finished the leadership development program at Lockheed. Um, and then I had a I had a job right at um the Lafont um I don't know how familiar you are with with DC but there's this metro station in southwest called Lafont Plaza okay and I my office was right there at the metro stop um I had a management position and I only lived I think I lived two metro stops away um from my job it was like almost walking it was walking distance basically and I had a penthouse apartment. <laughs> okay, and well, I decided to give everybody like you're so crazy. <laughs> go play basketball in Peru for pennies, basically. Yeah. Um, and it meant the world to me. Um, in my second game, I think I uh, it was a TV game, and it went into overtime, and. I made the shot at the buzzer to win the game in overtime. And I swear it felt like the happiest moment of my life. Like I was just <laughs> like, this is the best decision I've ever made. There was nothing that I could be doing at home right now that would give me this feeling that I have right now. Um, and I was, I was so happy. Um, so when the season in Peru started winding down, um, I was like, man, I, you know, I really don't want to go back home. Like, what am I going to do at home? Get another job? Um, mm-hmm. And I had a friend um, from another league that I was playing in in D.C. It was like a co-ed league where um, each team had to have guys and girls on the court at all times. Um and one of the girls on my team was from Copenhagen, or she wasn't from Copenhagen. She was from Denmark, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just so happened that when I moved to Peru, she moved to Copenhagen. Um, and one day while I was in Peru, I'm trying to figure out my next move, and she posted something on Facebook, and I just was reminded that she lives in Denmark and I was like you know I definitely want to go to Europe because you know the seasons are opposite so as my season winds down here I can just go to Europe and start back up playing basketball again (laughs) yeah um and so I told her 
um, you know, I asked her what basketball was like in Denmark. And she was like, it's not that big. Um, but, you know, there's definitely professional teams. And I definitely think you're good enough to play on um, one of these teams. If you want to come here and try out, you know, for a team, you know, spend a couple of weeks trying out for a team, you can stay here. And I was just like, okay. And I bought a ticket from Lima to Copenhagen. Um, and then I think like a week and a half later, I was out. I left Peru and then I came to Copenhagen. Well, so um, you just, you, you had the happiest moment of your life there. You're just going to dip out on them. Yeah, but this was <laughs> at, at the end of the season. Yeah, so but do they, like, renew the contract or, like, you can just do whatever um, no, you want no, afterwards? Hadn't, I hadn't decided on anything because I wanted to go to Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and at this point in my life, it was really just all about the journey. Um, I was just like, I'm living super carefree. I'm living as if you know, like I would watch those videos and read these articles about, you know, how would you live if money didn't exist? Like, what what would you do? You know, yeah. and like follow your heart and all these things. And I was just like, I'm just going to do what I want to do and see where it leads. Um, yeah. So I came here and literally I had no zero contacts with any basketball teams. I like literally would go outside and look for people playing basketball just so I could find out who was who, what was going on. Um, and so I would go random courts, play pickup games, and then ask people, you know, about the local teams, um, if they played anywhere, et cetera, et cetera. And people were so helpful. Um, this one guy, he ended up, you know, making like a whole list for me of like the names of the teams, names of the coaches. Um, and then I went on Facebook and I start finding people and writing them. Um, wow. That yeah. was generous. Yeah. <laughs> like this complete stranger. Just yeah. like, here's a whole list of teams you yeah. can play for. Yeah. So I, I just started writing all the coaches. Um, and yeah, I had this coach basically tell me like, uh, yeah, you know, you can come out. Um, and you can come out and, you know, we'll have a look at you and we'll go from there. So I, I, I start going to their practices and we play a practice game against one of the top teams in Denmark and we are getting killed. And I didn't start the game or anything. Cause I, you know, I only been to like two practices or something. And then he puts me in at the beginning of the second quarter and I had like 20 points in the quarter. And yeah, I just got like, it was just, I don't know what happened, but like, I just was in the zone. Um, And after that game, both of the teams, the team that I was practicing with and the team I was playing against offered me a contract. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So you had the power. It was amazing. I was just like, what, what is happening? Um. Yeah. Do you feel like that was like a language, like being able to play basketball? Like that was a language, like how you just walked up to just random courts and started playing, or were oh, they yeah, like? Yeah, yeah. This is English like a, yeah. Basketball is like an international community, 
And yeah, there's kind of like a universal language to basketball, right? So like you can just like people play pickup basketball pretty much the same wherever you go, you know, and uh yeah, if, if people see that you're good, they respect you. Um and yeah, you can earn people's respect really quickly if they see you can play. Um and that was kind of what I anticipated. Um, I figured that I would come here and just, you know, be myself and somebody would want me to be on their team. And it was definitely a calculated risk. But, I mean, within the, like two weeks of being here, I already had a contract. Um, because my plan was I – was going to be out here only for like three weeks or something. So I, I came out here like the second week in August and on Labor Day, I was going to go back home. Um, and if I didn't have a contract, um, but before Labor Day, I had a contract. So I ended up staying. So wow. I played a season here and then I went back home um, after the season. So that was like mid-April, and um, and did you experience like reverse culture shock when you get back? Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was interesting coming back, um, but I didn't work or anything when I came back, so I was just kind of just back visiting people visiting my friends I was just all over the place and just playing basketball all the time because I was going to go back to Denmark in August um so then I I go back to Denmark and I uh I find out you know that one of my teammates father is the CFO of a company out here and we're having a conversation one day and he just basically offers me a job. He finds out what I was doing before and he's like, we could use your profile. Um, so he gave me a job as business controller of like this machine company. And um, yeah, so then I started that and it was, it was crazy. Cause I, I remember the first time we had like an away game on the other side of the country, which meant I had to leave work early. And I was like, do I just tell him I need to leave work early to go to this game? And then I think just after lunch, he's like, so are you ready? And he himself. <laughs> he was ready for you to go to the me, game. <laughs> drove me to the game all the way across the country. And I was just like, oh, my God, how perfect is this? <laughs> yeah. Like, um, that always surprises me. Like. I don't, it shouldn't surprise me, but just like just traveling and just like being in different countries, just like the generosity of people. And it's yeah. like, it's kind of like strange because you're like conditioned to like make, make it seem like, oh, if somebody's being nice to me, they're trying to set me up or, you know, they're doing it with some malicious intent. But like people actually are nice to you for no reason yeah. <laughs> just because they like you. So that's something I've had to get adjusted to yeah. since I've been traveling. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and essentially that has pretty much led me up to now. So, like, since that moment, I've basically been working and playing basketball. My my manager, he actually left to go to the States. 
Um, and so I ended up taking another job. Um, but outside of that, I mean, that's pretty much been my life. Like I've just been here playing basketball and working in finance. Um, yeah, and I, I've, I've enjoyed it a lot. I've, I've tried to get home and travel and stuff like that as much as I can. Actually, last year in the spring, I was home for two months. And in that two months, I mean, I went so many places. Um, so, yeah, like I've I thoroughly enjoyed um, my life overseas. But I'm pretty sure you have some questions, you know, about my overseas experience. And yeah, that's what I'll be able to, I want to know and everybody yeah. wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be able to I'll be able to give you a bit more nuance. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially like with the race aspect of it, because I don't know that much about Denmark, but I'm pretty sure it's not like a high noticeable population of, you know, black people or minorities. Like, can you tell me like what it's like to be like if you are or aren't like one of the few or only black person? Yeah. In so, the room? so Denmark is quite homogenous. Um, racially. Um, but I will say Copenhagen and probably Aarhus, the second biggest city, are much more diverse than I anticipated. Um, so there are more Black people here than I thought there would be, but it it's still considerably less than any place I've ever lived. Um and as far as like Black Americans, um, I actually started a Facebook group called Black Americans in in Copenhagen, so I could kind of um, find the ones who are here, and that has worked super well. So now I have like a, a crew of uh, Black American friends out here, um, and. Uh, yeah, and then I've I've also kind of gotten involved with Black Lives Matter in Denmark and mm -hmm. a lot of um, the organizations here that are catered towards uh, people of African descent. And yeah. I've learned a lot more kind of about the experiences of being here um, as a Black person. Um, and I will say that you really do feel, as a Black American, you start to feel American before you feel Black, which is actually yeah. very interesting, um, a very interesting dynamic. Um, because a lot of people from the diaspora, they don't feel some of the privileges that yeah. many of the the African-American people feel um, in Europe, especially. Um, so when they find out that you're American and, you know, you, you, you speak really great English and um, you're educated and stuff like that, they like respect you in a way that they don't respect uh, people of color mm -hmm. or people of African descent from uh, many other places. Yeah. Yeah. And like, did you like prepare yourself like before you started 
to like plan to go to Denmark? Did you say like, okay, I'm going to go over there and educate people about black lives uh, and what it's I, like to be I, an American yeah, <laughs> or it just came not. up? I didn't think about any of that stuff before I came in. And if you're going to recall um, how I came here was very like uh, spontaneous. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I didn't really know anything about Denmark before I came. Um, <laughs> I knew very, very, very little about this place. I mean, I assumed it was a bunch of white people, but beyond that, I didn't really know much. Um, one of the first things I noticed were how many Somalian people live in Copenhagen. Wow. Um, and then I was like, and so then I just started, um, yeah, just kind of learning more and more about immigration patterns and stuff like that. So there are a lot of Middle Eastern people here and probably like that in uh, a lot of European countries. Um, because, you know, growing up in North Carolina, you don't really see Middle Eastern people like that. Yeah. You see black, white, Latino, and some Asians sprinkled in. But you don't really see Middle Eastern people like that. So that, you don't even, we're not even exposed to that culture like that. Um, and so now I've I've been exposed a lot more to Middle Eastern culture than I ever was before. Yeah, I do agree. Like, even like when I was in elementary school, like there was like mostly, you know, Hispanics. There was like literally like two or three, you know, Middle Easterns and maybe like one Asian person. Like it yeah. was like no diversity, yeah. you know, compared to other places. Yeah. But like, did you ever feel like you had to like retrain your brain to like, like get rid of the old, you know, habits that you or old thoughts that you had from back in the States just from being a black person like I know for me you know when I was in Mexico like I would see the cops and I would just like try to go into the opposite direction <laughs> or just like hide <laughs> and like the people I were with they were like what are you doing they don't care about you yeah <laughs> like I don't know they might do something to me yeah like, you ever, I mean, like go through situations where you just like okay I'm not in America anymore I can relax like they are not thinking about me like that yeah you know what's, what's happening I've been here so long now that like I do find myself being a lot more relaxed in situations than I would be at home. Um, and it makes me think that like when I'm home, that my guard is going to be down too much and I'm going to get caught slipping. <laughs> <laughs> I have this thought. And so right now, you know, like I'm recovering from this injury, so I, I can't really run. I can walk with a limp. Um, and when I'm outside, even here, I feel really vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, I run, I want to take a trip home, but I'm like, I don't really want to go home while I feel this vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that um, one of the the big cultural things is kind of work culture, right? So, like, a lot of Americans kind of just work, work, work all the time. Um, whereas, like, in Europe, you know, it's very common to take a month off from work. Um, you know, like, people don't tend 
on average don't work as many hours as Americans do. I mean, a lot, they really value their family time and um, their vacation time. Um, and I do think sometimes things move a bit slower. Um, and I think I can appreciate it, you know, like, I mean, life isn't all about work, you know, it's also yeah. just kind of enjoying life. Yeah. Do you think and, they have that like idea that, that oh, I'm going to work this many years and then retire and then live my life? Or do they just like, just take it day by day that they're going to uh, live their life? Well, here, I think people absolutely think they're living, they plan to live their life, you know, also while they're young. Like, they're not living just for retirement, you know. And also, I think people value uh, contributing to society here, right? So, like, I I don't think I heard contribute to society the way that I hear it since I've lived in Denmark. Um, like people really take pride in making their contribution to society, right? And I think that's how kind of like, I mean, a lot of people call Denmark a welfare state because the welfare system is so good. Um, and the reason it can be like that is because of um, people's desire to contribute to society, right? So, I mean, you could do nothing and live a pretty decent life, but people don't want to do that. They want to contribute. They want to feel um, like they're contributing. Um, yeah. So yeah. they're not like so much interested in just riding on the system. Exactly. exactly. Like they want to be off it so they can yeah. <laughs> contribute to somebody else. Yeah, and that's how that's how it works. So. That's cool. So like, I haven't been in the work culture, like the American work culture that long, maybe like, I would say, I mean, I have had jobs off and on, but like, just like working full time, maybe like two years. But like, as a person that, you know, they graduated, went to school, then they got the good job and had the penthouse apartment. Like, how do you just like, tell that person, like, hey, you can just stop all that and just do something completely different? Um, well, it's, it's about stress, right? So, I mean, that is, you know, it's going to be, it's going to vary from person to person. Um, I mean, if you're, if you're living a good life and you're not stressed or anything, um, then, I mean, who am I to tell you that you need to, to change how you're living? But there are a lot of people that have really good jobs and work all of the time and are really stressed. And by the time they're my age right now, they start, you can start telling like people are already um, having health problems due to stress, you know? Um, Some of my peers, you know, like I, some of my, you know, good friends from college will meet different places in the world and um, catch up with each other and, I mean, I'm always kind of taken back by some of the things I hear sometimes. Like, you know, some of my friends suffer from, you know, these migraines that really, like, uh, 
like hinder their quality of yeah. life right and so like I mean migraines stuff like that that just sounds like stress you know um, yeah even like high blood pressure like just being stressed about like deadlines and what your boss is gonna do or just yeah. like trying not to get fired like that's yeah. stress. yeah exactly so all of that stress um yeah but I will say there is um it's not like moving overseas is like the answer to all of your problems because what it does it it solves some problems and it presents new problems right yeah. <laughs> and one of those things is um just being able to relate to people um you know as a person who grew up primarily around black people until I was 24 I mean mm-hmm. I was yeah I was 24 by the time I actually had to interact with white people on a regular basis wow yeah <laughs> and um so I I always connected with people so easily um and everybody around me was always kind of part of this shared culture um and I definitely miss that like I miss um being able to go places that are catered to me like if someone comes to visit and they're like, where should we go on Thursday night? I'm I'm still in my head like, where should I take this person? <laughs> um, because there's nothing like a place that I would take you if I was home, you know, like where you yeah. could go and, you know, see and be around people like us and um, be in an environment that kind of caters to you and your tastes. Um so I miss that. Um, and and also just being close to my family and stuff like that. Like there's so many things that I end up missing because it's, it's just too complex to go for this specific thing. And, you know, to have to travel for so long and so far uh, for this specific event. Um, so it's... Yeah, so that type of stuff drains on me. So it's not like I, I'm the type of person that's committed to living overseas the rest of my life. And I know I'm. I know so many people. Um, I've met so many people here that, like, you know, they never want to return to the states. But I think just because of the way that I grew up, um, it's just difficult for me to just imagine one living in a place with so few black people the rest of my life. And then yeah. two, um, if I ever have a family and have kids, like, I mean, it just freaks me out to like, think they're going to be like Scandinavian. And, <laughs> um, yeah, that's so true. Like they're not going to be American. And be, yeah. And be so culturally distant from, you know, my family and like what I grew up around and like, I'm just like, uh, I don't know if I want that. Yeah. <laughs> like it, I think it, it, there's so many benefits to living here. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's like, I, I've really started to, you know, think about what actually matters. Um, so yeah. So like, that's something I'm still on the fence about. Like, do I, do I stay here? Um, long term or you know is it time for me to 
head back to the States with this, this new experience under my belt. Um, yeah. So where are you at now with like creating your family? You said you, like, you don't have kids. Like, are you like married or dating anybody? In uh, I have a girlfriend, um, but I'm not married. I don't have kids. Um, yeah. So. So I think that would be a discussion with her. Like, like, am I going to stay here? Am I gonna <laughs> oh go yeah. Home? We have this discussion all of the time. <laughs> like, is she on edge? Like, who I wonder if she's going to leave. Uh, we have this conversation a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. she's not she's not from here. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, she's uh she's half half Kenyan, half Norwegian. Oh, that's an interesting <laughs> combination. Yeah. Um but yeah, so that that's something that's that's with me. Um that I it's always kind of in the back of my mind. So yeah. And I think about that too, like, just like even my dad, he was like, so when are you going to settle down and find a guy over here? And I'm just like, I don't know, like, does he have to be American? Like, I'm not like, like saying like, okay, I'm going to marry somebody in America. Of course, they could be from anywhere. But like, yeah. where are we going to live? <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I don't, I want like to have like a home base in America, of course, just to, you know, keep connected and, you know, have something that's like most familiar, but you know, I still want my space in another country and be able to go there because there's just some things that I will never have in the United States. Yeah. And I don't want to just not have it. Yeah. I can have both things. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what's the dating culture like in Denmark? Like, were you just dating around? Like, what's it like as a basketball player, too? That's got to be more exciting <laughs> than a regular college student. Um, I think that um you definitely stand out as a black american that's for sure um my experience has been um like i I don't have a problem like meeting people or anything like that's quite easy um but like to build like that deep long-term connection with people i found quite difficult um, just because, um, like over time, I start realizing um, the things that I miss mm-hmm. from home. Um, like when you meet someone new um, and they're different, like the differences are exciting, but over time, the differences become annoying. Yeah, I really <laughs> um, understand. Yeah, and so I think I've experienced that quite a bit and um yeah and so I've been trying to navigate that uh I do think that a place like Denmark is is pretty cool in the sense that um there's a lot of uh equality between the sexes so um you see a lot less of like kind of gender roles mm-hmm. um, and things are kind of more even, I would say. Um, uh, yeah, like the women here kind of like, they don't really expect for you to just like 
buy everything for them and pay for everything, et cetera, et cetera. Um, not to say that all American women are like that, but there is definitely like some type of subtle difference in, in how people kind of navigate the world and navigate dating. I remember I was talking to this older Danish guy and he was talking about how, you know, when he was younger, he was like, there is no dating, you know, like this whole going on a date thing. That's like very American. Like <laughs> that, so that they kind do? of, uh, <laughs> that came from American culture. <laughs> <laughs> like if you like someone, you just, I don't know, like, I've I've noticed the way Danish people kind of meet each other. They go out, they get drunk, and then whoever they meet while they're drunk is is kind of who they end up seeing. Wow! Um, because when they're when they're sober, they're kind of like, yeah, they don't really approach yeah each other like that, and they they a lot of the women say that you know a lot of if you go talk to a woman, they're just like not used to someone approaching them especially if they're if they're sober if they're just like hey you know i like you um i'm interested or you know i was wondering if we could do this or do that and they're like taken back by it because danish <laughs> guys don't really do it um, wow yeah <laughs> so i just have to be careful who i get drunk with when i go to copenhagen because then we have to get married <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Wow, that's so insightful. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to finish up because um, this has a timer on it, unfortunately. Okay. But can you just like give some final thoughts to people from North Carolina or the South, you know, that just like have like no racial diversity and they like aren't even like thinking about international travel? Like what would you um, say to them? Okay, what I'll say to them is, um, yes, a, a country like Denmark or in this, any Scandinavian country is full of white people. But my experience is that these white people are not like American white people and definitely not like um, American white people from the South. <laughs> For the most part, it's a very different experience. They're much more progressive here. Um, so if if you are having that hang-up, it's definitely something to experience. I'm not saying you need to move here, but it's definitely something to experience. Yeah, I agree. Like, just, just like, have that feeling of not being, like, the minority. Just, like, just be a person. Yes, For exactly. a certain amount of time, and that would just, like, change your life. Yeah. Because that's how I feel, like... When I walk around Prague or wherever country, like I just feel like people, well, just here in Europe, because like even maybe South America or Latin America, it was, you know, I feel like they were still looking at, you know, like my color. But like mm -hmm. here, I just feel like they're looking at me as just like a regular person or an American. Oh. Like they don't even think like, oh, she's black or whatever. Hmm. Yeah. That's so a that's my experience. Yeah. Do you have any more questions for me? Uh, I know you have your own podcast too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I haven't I haven't done any recordings in a while, but um yeah, maybe I'll I'll rev it back up and, and bring you on. Um, oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah. So like how are you enjoying Prague? I mean, I feel like I will enjoy it much better when the 
the weather is like not 30 and 40 degrees. Yeah. When did you but, get there? Oh, I got here on the 12th of uh, January. Okay. So you've only been there for a month. Yeah. Approaching a month. And yeah. you'll be there until what? Until May. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, so I have to go back to to Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah, okay, okay. That's super but, uh, cool that you've gotten to, uh, to experience studying abroad. I mean, when I was in college, if I had got an experience, experience like that, I mean, I think it would have been mind-blowing. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah and so it's so much different from traveling by myself. Like, this is the first time I've been with so many people yeah. <laughs> at one time. So, it's like I'm never alone. And, like, I'm used to being always alone. So, uh, it's, okay. it's definitely a, a different experience. But it's, it has its pros also uh, okay. because you always have somebody that's American that just speaks English and just go somewhere with you. You don't have yeah. to go by yourself. Yeah. Okay. That's super yeah. Cool. So I'm, I'm going to keep having fun and try to live my life to the fullest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I've I've been to Prague twice. I went in twenty twenty sixteen at the end of twenty sixteen, and then I went in twenty nineteen in the fall. Um, the first time I went was actually for work, so I was there for a week, and it was because I was training um, the people in our Czech offices on this software that we were using. So. That was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, but that's so cool. I can't wait for people to hear this, and hopefully, you'll inspire some more basketball players to just take the leap. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but perhaps. maybe with a little bit more planning. But yeah, um, perhaps. Yeah. Thanks for joining me tonight. Uh, almost ten fifteen. So, um, thank you for everybody uh, listening to the podcast, and please follow Kev on Instagram and also his podcast and. Follow me too. That would be really nice. <laughs> so I can keep bringing you new podcasts. All right. Cool. Thanks, Kevin, for joining me. All right. Thanks, Tiffany. Have a good evening. Okay. Good night. Thank you guys so much for listening to the end of the podcast. I hope you stay tuned for the next episode.